WCBG is recorded in Staten Island, New York at Wagner College. WCBG, small college, big voice. This is Janine, back with another fantastic interview session. Today's is with the amazing Luke from Calling All Captains. This interview is one I'm too proud of and I love talking to him. Had some great conversations, so stay tuned. Hello, Luke speaking. Hi, Luke. This is Janine from WCBG. Hey, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. How is it over there? Hi, Good. I just dropped off my dog for nail grooming. Oh, cute. What type of dog? <laughs> yeah. He's a cute little chihuahua. Oh, cute. Um, so, I want to thank you so much for interviewing with us. I appreciate it. Hey, no problem. So I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about you for our listeners. Oh, well, a little bit about me. Uh, my name is Luke Goche. I'm Canadian. I've been living in the same city my whole life. I'm 25 years old. Even though I look forever 16, <laughs> I'll be thankful for that when I'm when I'm older. Um, I'm indigenous, which means that like uh, you know I'm half Native American, half mm. French, and like that's. It's we've created our own kind of indigenous community up here, and it's uh, it's all based about how when Canada was first being settled and first being formed, there was uh, you know there was the white communities, and then mm-hmm. there was the the native communities, right? Right. Well, if they would intermingle, they would you know let's say a nice Frenchman found himself a nice First Nations wife. When they had kids and they wanted to have a family, they weren't allowed in the white communities and they weren't allowed in the native communities. They literally had to form their own. So now imagine 200 and 300 years of that, and that's how you get uh, what I am here today. It's like it's so interesting. Uh, Métis people come from all different aspects of life. You know, they come straight from the settlement or they've lived in the city their whole life. It's it's all really cool. But that's a little bit about me. I think I'm I'm the only one who's indigenous in the group. So. Uh, I, I like to talk about it as much as possible. That's pretty interesting. I'm a math and history major, so like I love learning about stuff like that. Cool. Oh, that's awesome. But yeah, no, and um, me and uh, my best friend in the band, Connor, we've been playing music together since we've met each other. I literally dropped a guitar pick in math class, and he was like, oh, bro, you play? I was like, yeah, I play. He's like, let's jam. And so like we've been jamming this like forever. And it was only after we released our Disconnect EP... Mm-hmm. which is secret for now. It's on our band camp if you want to go check that out. But, um, and I think it's on YouTube as well. But, yeah, like for that EP, we just brought Connor in, like at the tail end when we were doing our first Cross Canada tour. And, like, it just, it just clicked right away. Because, of course, me and him are best friends, but he just got along with the other dudes so well. And, like, that was just the whole thing. And we, Connor and I, we've been playing music together with Nick, our bass player, for geez like eight years now like even before captains we were in bands together wow i love that i love the continuity and the fact that like you guys are able to play off each other really well with um songwriting and just jamming out yeah, yeah yeah for real like it's it's the same place we've been writing music this whole time you know like i i still live at home i don't live like too much of a glamorous life but like in the basement that's that's the tone zone you know like we all the material for captains has been written down there so like kind of feels right you know Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's nice to have like a space to go to to just think totally. about what you're doing and 
write awesome songs. So I was wondering if you could describe your songwriting process for me. Oh, you know, it's <laughs> songwriting, it's, uh, it's so, so weird. Songs can come about in the most interesting ways. Like for our song Chasing Ghosts, mm-hmm. uh, Connor and I, we were just sitting around one day and then he had a, just like a little riff that, like a little like strumming guitar riff. And then he just out of nowhere is like, if you want better, then go get it. And all, and then all of a sudden it just stuck. For some reason, like uh, we were going through pre-production for songwriting, like the bridge of that song was the chorus. That's pretty like, interesting. It's like it's it 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 is interesting, isn't it? Like songwriting can go such a crazy way, and um, like basically it'd be Connor and I will take little riffs. Brad will write a riff, you know. Like it's we'll make sure that we get a solid mood or vibe down. As we get the vibe down, you know, songwriting is as simple as like you know, here's a verse here, a chorus there, a, a bridge there. It's like you can structure it out in the same way, but then oh, you just got to go into the, each part and make them interesting, make them make them lasting. I heard someone say that we have really cool second verses, and I gotta say that's probably like the most best, like the best compliment we could ever get, because like that second verse is the point where listeners are gonna move along or keep listening. You know, I definitely I, agree. at least for my at least at least in my opinion, like when I'm listening to a song, you know, like you hear the first hook, you hear that first chorus and you're like, OK, I see what they're up to. But then, you know, if it's, it's the same thing as the first verse or if it's, you know, it's, it's I feel like that second verse is super important. So like, yeah, like for, especially in songwriting, too, is like sometimes I'll write like a whole whole tune. that's just bare bones. I'll write lyrics. I'll write whatever. And then I'll bring it to Connor and Connor be like, man. Why did you do this without me? And it was just because, like, I need him. I need Connor in my life. There's no way I can write a song without him. I can write a song, sure, but it's just not right. You know? That it's like, sense. I can play chords, and I'm not, a, like, a, I haven't played guitar or drums in really long time. The only time I'll ever play guitar is if I want to write something. Mm-hmm. But uh, Connor plays guitar every day. You know, Tim, he plays drums every day. You know, Nick plays bass every day, every day that he can. And he's not away from town. You know, it's songwriting. It's like I'm kind of rambling about it. No, like, it's, I don't know, it's fascinating. It's, like, it's just so weird because, like, I, there's a song that I, I wrote recently, and it's I was just downstairs bored for like an hour and a half, and I was like, oh, I like this chord progression. I'll play that a few times, and then I was like, oh, I like this lead. I'll play that a few times. I was like, oh, this maybe this vocal hook sounds good here, and I'll just play that a few times, and then just kind of comes together in a way i definitely love i don't know if you if you hear a good chord progression or you hear a good riff you know like if it speaks to you 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 don't really need to do much writing kind of writes itself honestly that's uh, one of the reasons why i wanted to reach out to you because i loved your riffs and chord progressions like for me that's super important in music and i like the way that they paired nicely with not just the vocals but like with the production process and the layering like Thank you. Yeah, no, we uh, we really went hard with the guitar tracking. I think we did, well, the way we recorded guitars was um, we split our direct guitar signal into A and a B, and we put A into one full amp and head okay. on full, and then we put the other side into another amp and head on full, so that's two amp, amp, and, or amp and cabs, right? Right. And then those are recorded in as like a mono track so it's going to be one complete track together and then we recorded that twice on either side so it was just like the fullest guitar sounds possible 
That's pretty sick. Well, here's like something else that's really weird is or really cool is that for Out of My Head, the outro, we actually recorded a baritone guitar. So there's a fifth below guitar for that whole for that whole thing. I recorded that. I, I called dibs for that. We recorded it on like a seven string guitar, just like the lowest possible note. I um personally don't know a lot about guitar. I played trumpet. That's okay. So no worries. It's I like love we're learning just adding about lots this. Of <laughs> I think it's fascinating because I know a lot about um like chord progressions and like music theory from high school and stuff. So like hearing it and um used in different ways is to me like I can appreciate that and I think that's great. Oh yeah. And you know you have to thank Brad for that too. He's our music theory buff. You know, like Connor and I, we don't we don't know theory. We know like what a fifth is and what a seventh is, sure. But like as actual theory goes, no way. We just know what sounds good. It's all by feel. Mm-hmm. But Brad, when he comes in, we're like, Brad, what what key is this in? We're like, how do we get it to like segue? Do we need to go to the two chord or the fifth chord? You know, like it's he's always there for us. You know, and it's and that's super cool. Yeah, I feel like music theory, even though it's like super complicated, it, it sometimes it's also just about like feeling how the song should go or like how the riff should be played. But chord progression, it's like a whole nother field. Totally. I'm writing a song right now where I actually borrowed the chord progression from Won't Let Go by Juice World. Rest in peace. Oh, like, I feel like that's also um, important in music, like hearing other people's music can also inspire different things or even just like different feelings of like how to portray a song. So I think that's pretty cool. Oh, wow. You know, music nowadays is so limitless. Mm -hmm. Like I am completely not barred to a genre. Like my favorite artists are some of the heaviest bands. Some of my favorite solo artists are like spit the hottest bars, like everything in between. Like I like, there's not a music genre that you could send me and I'll be like, eh, not really into this. Except that, except new country, some new country, I don't mind. But, like, I don't know, that classic country, like Merle Haggard, George Jones, like, real classic, Waylon Jennings, Hank Williams, I could go on forever. I was raised on classic country. But it's funny how I'm in the band I am in now. <laughs> so, uh, can you describe your sound for me in three words? Uh... <laughs> I know it's hard. <laughs> I don't know. I Oh, gosh. We're a, we're um we're a we're a we're a hard punk band. Okay. I don't know. Well, well I don't know. See, like lots of people, I, I've called this pop punk before, and like people have straight up been like, "No, you guys are post hardcore," and I'm like, "What? I'm so confused." So I don't really know. It's, it's up to the people. If I could if I could only use three words to describe our sound, it's calling all captains. I like that. If you want a good blend of like post hardcore and pop punk, definitely give us a shot. You know, like we I grew up on all the heavy stuff and also grew up on Simple Plan and stuff too, right? Like Green Day was my favorite band growing up. So, you know, there's a lot of my influence on my influences and Connor grew up solely on classic rock. So boy, his leads on the new upcoming stuff, you got gotta watch out. <laughs> so uh you mentioned Juice World earlier and uh we have a question we've been asking everyone that our PR director Grace came up with and it's a question. So I'm just gonna jump right into it. Uh basically the Absolutely. question is what is your opinion of uh, releasing an artist's unreleased music after they've passed away should it be released or should it not oh man see like that's the that's the one thing that's super strange because like you know like i if i died today i wouldn't want these demos that i've recorded being released oh god they're garbage you know like at least it's it's the the fact when an artist passes away 
and it's like it's such an interest it's such a weird thing because they can't give the okay mm-hmm. that it sounds the way that they intended right right like i was i was listening to a little peep song rest in peace again but it was very posthumous almost like two like it was this past ep that was released like and he died over a year and a half ago it, you could tell some of the songs weren't finished they kind of put parts of different flows together it wasn't cohesive and i know a little people wouldn't have been satisfied with it so that in that way it kind of upset me a little bit but i understand that once an artist kind of the music becomes bigger than themselves it's it's bigger than themselves and unfortunately that even though that this is still like juice world's music or little peeps music and when you sign record labels you know like especially Juice World when he was on such a major, major record label, they're going to own his songs for 40 years, 50 years. You know, like that's mm-hmm. just the way the music industry works. And and if they, they wrote it in their contract that, you know, they own all writing that he's going to be doing, you know, it, it's only up to the labels at that point, right? Right. And, you know, like this music industry is a business maker and it's a money maker. And like, and especially with one of the biggest artists passes away, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's kind of sick in a way, but like it's probably the best time that the artist is going to get the most exposure. Lil Peep got famous after he died, you know, like it's all of this stuff is kind of, it's so sad, but you know, like being a musician myself, I, if I died today, I don't know if I would be comfortable with any music I've, re- I've recorded in, in my home being released to the public. Um, just simply for the fact that it's not done the way that's, proper you know i didn't step into a studio i didn't get to hear mixes back i didn't get to say no like let's change this part and it's not hitting right you know like it's there's lots of things that goes into being artists it's just you know the tunes that are on the track you know no i definitely understand that um grace actually came up with this question because of the little peep album and yeah it was it was pretty interesting when she thought of it because like as a fan of course you want to hear more of the music but at the same time like at the end of the day, is the artist really going to be happy with what was released by the label? Yeah, like that's kind of where I'm at too because I know Juice was about to start recording his next record, but I know they're going to release one anyway, so I'm just kind of wondering if it's, you know, I don't know. It's all weird. It's really sad, you know. It's it's just the music is crazy because, like, you know, even, even ourselves, you know, like that five-song EP we put out, that's going to be on online forever Mm -hmm. you know it's as long as the internet stays up you know people 500 years from now can be like oh calling all captains that band was crazy 500 years ago you know like that's the kind of that's the kind of thing that we're living with right now and of course you know like posthumous music should be released in a way i don't know you know it's two sides of a very different coin exactly so that actually leads to my next question um is there anything you would change about the music industry as it is today um you know what? Um, I would just. I feel like uh, music. There's like a one percent in the music industry. I feel like that the music industry, especially like I still live at home with my mom. You know, like I we we hop from job to job. You know, we get minimum wage jobs when we get back home from tour. I feel like there's either a state. There's it's especially in our genre. It's either you're big or you're not. Mm-hmm. You're either one of the big boys or you're not you're making a hundred dollars a night you're roughing it in a van you don't have any sense of comfort on the road you shower at truck stops you know like and then 
all of a sudden the next night you're in a bandwagon, you're getting hotel rooms every night, you're getting fed by the venue, showers at the venue. And it's, it's almost, it's, I feel like there's, it's so weird. Cause like, like we've been a band for like six years and like, it just, we just got signed only a year ago and it's just now starting to pick up and it's like such a long grind. I'm not saying that I wish it was easier for bands, but I guess I wish that music was treated like a profession, like it used to be. It's not treated like that. It's treated like a commodity. It's treated like, like I, I know, I know musicians in town that play for country cover bands and like it's, they get hired by bars for at five grand a night. And we're we're lucky to get five hundred. It's such a it's such a differing thing that, you know, like musicians like when my my dad, he's sixty six, he's been in the music industry like locally in in the in like the Canadian circuit for forty years. And it's always been that way, you know, like the inflation goes up, pay the pay gets increased. You know, mm-hmm. like I've never I told him one time that, you know, like my band we got fifty bucks to play like five hundred kilometers away. Um, for 12 like for 12 kids or some like some crap like that and he was he was appalled he was like you 50 dollars are you serious and it's like this the promoters nowadays like nobody i get that it's not about money it's about the music but if you want to do music for a living you need to live you need to be paid a living wage you know like like um it's it's such an interesting way of life this is because like it's it's totally accepted the fact that all of like like the lead singer patrick from movements he had to get a regular job he went back to a nine to five isn't that crazy it's kind of heartbreaking to hear that because i know like music's been a big part of my life so like doing these interviews have been something for me to like connect with people all over the world doing things like i love hearing and love seeing and for for you guys to like not be treated in the way like i would hope it, it's kind of heartbreaking and well and that's the thing it's such a it's such a weird thing because like we pull up to a venue in uh like in uh where is it the new brooklyn tavern in greenville it was crazy when it popped off felt like it was you know like we got paid well you know right. but then the next night it's like oh we're playing at delhi for three people it's like it's such a weird united like america is so big and massive <laughs> And it's like same thing with Canada too. It's like in Canada, if you want to play Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, okay, great, that's your three shows. There's like shows, there's towns and cities in between, but there there's nobody there. Mm-hmm. So like we've played Regina for six years, every year, like almost twice a year, still only sixteen people there. There's just not very many people there that care, and that's okay. Like there's a lot, there's some people that come out every single time, but when you keep going to a market and you keep growing it and you try to grow it and it's not growing, you don't know what to do. Is it the music? Is it us? Is it the promoters? Is it the industry itself? I don't know. Is it the genre? Like, I grew, I grew up on Staten Island and uh, that's where my school is. And like here, there's no local scene. Like it's a hundred percent dead. Like, well, not a hundred percent. It's mostly dead. So, for where are you from again, sir? Staten Island, New York. Oh, okay. Here, the scene's, like, not really here. It's a lot of cover bands, like, a lot of cover bands. Not saying cover bands aren't great, but at the same time, like, to release new material, like, you have to go to, like, Brooklyn. And I feel like, like, New York's kind of like the stopover town. It's not really, like, the cultivation that it used to be. Yeah, man. Raw exists out there, you know? Like, like for our, like, uh, for our new material, man, like, it's, like, we're staying true to, like, the Captain's sound, whatever that is. We've gone through so many different, like, 
little changes within the pop punk spectrum, but we're trying to add a little bit more, like, I don't know, a little bit more flavor, a little bit more flow, a little bit more sauce, you know? Like, I want to not be typical pop punk or, you know? Like, it's right. like Belmont's doing something crazy right now. They're putting, like, sampled rap tracks, trap beats right in the beginning of their track. Like, it was nothing, you know? Like, mm-hmm. And and Rarity is treading the line between grunge and, like, post-hardcore in a way that I've never seen. It's, it's like, these bands nowadays, you know, like, it's almost like pop punk is an influence for whatever genre they're about to go on. And I feel like I feel like that's true for us in a way. It's that, you know, pop punk is, is an influence for sure. It's kind of like the segue that we can give, like, all the other pieces that make music amazing to the to the people you know it's right and like a like i got i, I spit some bars in the new stuff no not not, Ooh, not gonna lie exciting. but it's it, it's like but it's still pop punk it's still delivered through the pop punk me, uh, medium you know it's mm-hmm. it's all it's all kind of coming together because you know I've, I've noticed that too nowadays is that it's like it's especially true that rap is the new rock you know rock trap right. stars are the new rock stars you know like you know, the Lil Uzis and, like, the Post Malones, you know, like, it's, those are the Mick Jaggers and, like, the David Lee Ross of yesterday. And as crappy as that is for, like, rock musicians and avid, like, music lovers, like, real, like, guitar music lovers, it's it's a weird state to be in because we all want this genre and this scene to be the biggest possible, but it's not mainstream. No matter what we do, it won't be. But at the same time, I feel like, like, I'm... 21 and like hearing more i've been hearing more like pop punk in general and like even like postcard of core and grunge i feel like it's because we grew up listening to like blank 182 and green day and like now people oh, are yeah. making this type of music so i'm hoping it's coming back i think it'll come back but it needs to have that certain flavor it needs right. to have that something new something that really hasn't been done before and delivered with like I don't know. I'm really hoping our new release at least does something for us because I, I I know that we're work we've been working really hard and I know it's it's going to be a little bit of a wait because we released our like de- we released our DBVP with Equal Vision on the seventh of mm-hmm. February in 2019 and we're we're going in into the studio sometime around there so it's going to be a little bit of a wait for a new song. Um, but it's like it's definitely going to be worth it. We're going to be trying some lot of different new things here. Like one of the one of the coolest explanations of captains that like a fan told me is that you guys sound you guys are it's it's like sad music without bringing you down. It almost like lifts you up in a way. And I was like, what? It's like so weird because like yeah, these music it's like these lyrics are sad. You know, like it's going we're all going through some stuff here. But we it's hype. The music is hype. You know, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's what the energy is from lots of these rap music nowadays. That they're singing about like all oh, my friends are dead, but you know they're turning up in the club. You know, it's like it's the uh, people want to acknowledge their sadness without being down. I think that's that's really wh- where the mark is is got to be hit. I love that juxtaposition. It's weird. Yeah. You know. No, I definitely agree. I feel like sometimes it's it's like two sides of a coin, like. Sometimes when you listen to upbeat music, it's just because you want to listen to upbeat music. But then if you listen to the lyrics, you're like, oh, this is actually like deeper than I thought. So at the same time, it's yeah. making somebody think. And I, for me, I think that's like something that needs to be prominent more often, especially like 
mainstream or even just in general, just making a listener think. And I think you guys do that really well in your EP. Thank you. Thank you. We, um, we got some, like, we're, we're kind of exploring some more deeper topics so than like the full length record. It's like, it's not just like relationships and like, you know, want life to get a little bit better. It's actually like, like addictions, death, you know, like there's lots of things that's going on in our lives that we can finally have like a real medium to write about it. And it's, it's kind of freeing, you know, like we're, we're not, we're not straying away from the risque lines or the lines that are a little bit too personal because you know what, they need to be written. And you know, like this, this music, it's not to say it's bigger than ourselves now, but you know, like it's, it is, you know, it's, it's for the people now. It's, it's for, it's for the fans. It's for the friends. It's for our families. It's, for Alberta (laughs) (laughs) having like emotion behind not just like the lyrics or the production it's something that like draws people to it and I know like when I heard your song disconnected I was just instantly drawn to like the message you guys were sending in the song and I think that's something that needs to happen more often like this emotion behind music and people forget about it thanks so much (laughs) No, no, it's, it's, I get you, man. You know, like it's, it's all vibes, man. You know, you feel mm-hmm. them, you know, you don't. And it's like, it's really cool to see. It's, it's, it's so crazy, man. You're in Staten Island and <laughs> a little tune, you know, connected with you. You know, like that's, that's what music true. does. Mm-hmm. I think that's like such an important thing in music. The relationship people can have just hearing a song because like you guys can write a song and like five years like five years later i can be like oh my god like you're talking to me now it's just the way it works right and it's fascinating like music is endless and timeless yeah it's it's cool and like we this year if we finally had like the first bunch of like captains like tattoos roll in and like that's crazy that's messed up you know like if you want better then go get it is on somebody's forearm wow but i think that shows the impact you're making on people's lives and that's important that's why we do it man we do it for ourselves but it stops being about ourselves when we step on that stage you know so on a different note uh what do you do when you're not writing music i do lots of things honestly like i i do too much i got <laughs> I got a girlfriend I spend lots of my time with. That's fun. Um, but, like, I, I own a, a clothing brand called Worthless Streetwear. I make that in my spare time when I'm not, like, touring. You know, like, I save up my money, put all that money into a bunch of hoodies, buy the hoodies, make them all nice, sell them to the people. Um, I'm also, like, a Métis dancer, so I'm actually an Indigenous dancer. I'll go from events to events in different schools and teach them about my culture I'm also a youth worker, so like I'll uh, a couple times during the week I'll pick up some, you know, like some children. They'll be like 10 years old. Sometimes they'll be like 16. They're all indigenous kids, and uh, I just basically I teach them a little bit about their culture, help them get through lots of their stuff that they're going through. You know, being a kid is hard, and especially with um, lots of youth workers and like lots of social workers are. A little bit older like and they don't look like they're 16 they don't look like they could be dealing with the same issues you know like it's um it's kind of nice to talk to somebody and be like listen i was i was literally like in your position 10 years ago i can understand where you're coming from i know exactly what to do 
here's this, here's that, you know, like they'll connect them to social services if they need mental health help, if they need, you know, like family therapy, group therapy. It's like a whole multitude of things. And then when I'm not doing that, I make I make rap tunes for fun in my basement, but those are just for me. Like I think what you were saying about the uh, youth group, I want to make sure I'm using the right term. Um, I It's definitely super rewarding because you're making an impact on their lives so young and well, it's especially because like it's my own, it's like my own people because like it's it, it was when I was a kid I would have loved to have like I looked up to my brother when I was a kid and it was really nice because you know he's very native appearing you know he has a great job great girlfriend his wife now it's he has a house it's like a t- total it's a total success story about you know how being Native American and being First Nations. It doesn't define you because of the stereotypes of the past and how society wants to look at you. You know, it's there is a prejudice problem here in Canada, and it's um, it's a bit awful to see because like I grew up almost all my life hearing, "Ah, you're pretty cool for a native guy," and it's like, what's that supposed to mean, man? You know, like it's kind of uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's just kind of interesting. So like, I feel like if I can be a little bit of a success story for some of these younger kids, like my brother was then it would just be, it would make society better and it would make these kids' lives a little bit better and maybe they can help out their friends and help out their cousins, help out their brothers and sisters, you know, like make little differences where you can and eventually a big difference will come. I really appreciate that. I think that's super important and just um, hearing you talk about that, I can tell it definitely means a lot to you. And I'm... Oh, for sure. (laughs) I think... um, by as you said like those small little differences will definitely accumulate to make a bigger difference and affect the bigger picture so another question i have for you is you were recently on tour in the fall correct yeah okay so what was the craziest thing that happened on tour oh shoot like i don't well okay well there's this time that okay well i'm oh, sorry tim sorry tim if you listen but when he was playing he definitely puked and uh, right after he went outside and oh his pants. Oh my God. It's like it's it's so it's so you know sometimes the punk rock takes over. I tell you, we were in Winnipeg, of all places. It's in Manitoba, in Canada. Okay. So like this, yeah. Just to paint the picture, it's, it's winter say. out. You know, like it's 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 really winter out. It's snowy, but you know this poor Tim. He's we're in the middle of our last song. We're playing Fool's Gold, and then he's just like there's a little pause. I. I didn't see it, but we saw from, like, somebody took a video from the crowd. You just see him it just right in between his legs, just, just pukes right there. And then, uh, like, he finishes the song, and then he gets up. He's like, boys, I don't feel good, I don't feel good, I don't feel good. Then he runs outside, and then uh, we hear Timmy opens the door. He's like, I need toilet paper. Oh, no. And uh, I was, yeah, that was too bad. Um, what was another crazy story? Oh, that time Nick got kicked out of his own show. How did that happen? That was crazy. Yeah, okay, so Nick, so Nick, our bass player, uh-huh. we were playing a show in Florida. Florida man is real. Um, there's a joke. Have you seen those news headlines, articles, like Florida man does something crazy? Yeah. Okay, well, basically, it's, it's not a lie. Florida is wild. It can be a crazy time down there. So we were playing a show. It's our own show, but we they, every show we play, we always get these wristbands, and we hate playing with these wristbands, especially the guitar players, because it gets caught in their guitars, right? Right. So... 
so the Nick takes his off. They, all the boys take their wristbands off. And then we get off stage, and Nick goes and tries to order a beer. Well, he doesn't have his wristband on, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the bartender was like, you don't have your wristband on. It's just like, it's like, you're underage. He's like, I'm not underage. You literally just saw me on stage with a beer. I made eye contact with you. And he's like, no, didn't see you. And then, then, then uh, he starts to be like, what, what is going on? Like, we're like, like that's like I'm on the picture of the show. Like, what is going on here, right? Like, and so like our our buddy, our buddy Darren, from Brigades, another band. He was a uh, they were headlining the show, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like he just like got in the middle, like yo yo, like what like what's going on here? You know, like what's happening? And then the security man is just like, hey, you know what? Both you guys out, get out of here. And then like there's like, what do you mean? This is like our show. Like we're like, so yeah, both. Like, yeah, it was so weird. So Darren got kicked out, and then Nick got kicked out, and both brigades and colonial captains were on the show. And it's just like, this is very strange. That's what I mean about the music industry. It seems like it's not a profession anymore. It seems like people just accept that these people playing music and they're like, oh ho ho, yeah, play your tunes. Like even I, I okay, like my like I, I love my love my family and stuff like that. But like I want to tell them I'm in a band and I tour and I'm signed and like it's just like, oh, that's nice. It's not really like, oh, come on, you know, like, like I'm actually going to do it, you know, like I'm, I'm, right. I'm living my real dreams here, you know, it's like every other week my mom is still just like, you know, when are you going to go to school, you know, you're getting older and I was like, holy, you know what, mom, like we got signed only a year ago, give us a minute, you know, like. You guys are still finding your footing in the industry, it's, as you said, yeah, it's been a year. Like, yeah, because like I don't want to be like 45 years old and then being like, all right, I'm going to start a music career now. Cause that doesn't work like that. I don't know. I feel like I sound jaded half the time, but like, I gotta say, like, I'm so thankful. Like, this is definitely crazy. I never, I remember drawing pictures of this when I was 12 years old. Like I was drawing like on stage with a little band, you know, like people in the crowd, I had lights and everything like that. And literally it happened, you know, that law of attraction. And like, it's so real. Our, our whole band motto since we've started it is thoughts become things. And I can guarantee you that thoughts, definitely become things all of this was manifestation all of this was hard work and law of attraction and luck in the right spots so wild life is crazy you know and there's so many like different little twists and turns that kind of make you rethink everything but it's oh man it's like when everything comes down it's you get to see the bigger picture or something like that i don't know it's, yeah, like when you take a step back, you're like, oh, wow, this is everything that's happened because life throws things at you all the time and you never know. Totally, totally. Or like getting a rider. I remember when we pulled up to a venue and they had like hummus and pita bread and they had like pocket chips and the crowd. I was like, what? I was like, oh, this is heaven. Riders are super interesting. Like I've had to deal with a few for like college shows and I never realized how complex they could be. I didn't right? know what a writer was until I got this position. So I was like, oh, okay, we have to do this? Okay, I got you. But they're pretty interesting. Like, we've had re- some weird you wanna, requests. It, you want to know... Okay, sorry to interrupt you. No, here, go for but it. You want to know the something really... You never hear that, like, really specific writers that, like, oh, they wanted a bowl fill of only red M&Ms. Yeah. Do you know why? Okay, so Van Halen needed to have a bowl of only red M&M's in their back dressing room. The reason for this really, really obscure detail was that their pyrotechnic show and their stage setup needed to be flawlessly executed 
to the point of every last detail. Otherwise, they could themselves could light on fire or the stage could light on fire. So that red M&M's in the back of the dressing room was a, such a minute and obscure detail that if they didn't have those red M&M's, they knew that something was wrong with the stage and it would need to be redone. I guess it's a way to check if someone actually read the contract. So on the topic of tour, do you have a favorite venue that you've played in? The Masquerade in Atlanta. Can you describe it for me? Because I haven't been to Atlanta. Oh, how can I describe it? Um, Atlanta's tight, first off. You know, Peachtree TV, Georgia, what's up? Um, the The venue is like... It's like a big boy venue, first off. It's like a real band venue, you know, like Hawthorne Heights and the real friends will pull up and play there. We got lucky enough to get booked in this venue. And um, they have showers there. They have, they had like a full, like, like a cafeteria, like a little dining area for the headlining bands. So like Yumi at Six was playing the bigger stage in the same venue. And like we were, eating at the next table from you, me at six, like just, just enjoying supper. <laughs> what is going on? It's just so weird. It's so like, that, that was crazy. And then, uh, but the, the back, you, like the whole venue is like a giant building. So you go back into a back alley and it goes down like a whole story in this alley. So you drive down and then there's like a loading bay, load into the loading bay. All these crew members come out. They'll be like, okay, well, there's like, which stage are you playing? We'll be like, we're playing the, the um what's it called the oh there's two different names for the okay we'll just we'll just say the masquerade for now it's like yeah we're playing the masquerade it's like, okay cool so they bring out these trolleys they load up all your gear for you they bring it all to the venue they put it all on stage like we have to make we have to set it up and sound check and everything like that but it's like all of the heavy lifting is done by the crew you are fed when you get to the venue you are paid before you even play it's like, just a, it's just a dream. And it's, the staff there are so nice. They're just top of the line, everything. You know, like, that's, like, such a proper venue. I just got to give it to all those people over there. It's, like, a, it's like legit, you made it. Like, the type of Yeah, like yeah, that. that's what it felt like. That's what it felt like the whole time. I was like, wow, you know, I made it. That's crazy. And then we had, I've had fans out in the front row singing along. I was like, ah, it's so cool. I'll never forget one fan straight up. She said it was her very first concert ever. And when we went back to Ackworth, her and her dad came out to the show. And it was so cool because, like, it was a smaller venue. So we could actually, like, you know, be like, what's up? So I have one more question for you. And that would be, uh, what are your plans for the new decade of 2020? Full-length record. Yeah, no, we're definitely full-length record. Uh, I want to do international touring, not just Canada and America. That would be super dope. Um, just getting bigger and better, harder, faster, stronger, you know, that Daft Punk motto. Yes. We're, uh, we're trying to just take it off to the next step, you know. Like, uh, I'm going to, you know, work on my clothing brand a bit more. But, like, it's, like, it's just trying to make everything real and, like, the next step you know like especially with this full length we stopped recording demos on garage band for using logic like big boys now you know it's it's get it's just little steps you know little changes makes the big changes you know right well i'm super hyped to see when you guys release your new album and hopefully like if you're ever in new york we'd love for you to stop by that'd be pretty lit so 
Thank you. Yeah. Hey, you know, I'd love to do that too. You know, like we're, you know, I got to say, you know, there's uh we pull out through Manhattan, mm-hmm. like the, okay, okay. So America's crazy. Y'all cities are like attached to one another. You could walk down the block and you're like, oh, I'm in a new city. It's so crazy. Like here in like Edmonton, you leave, it's very obviously like nothing. And then there's buildings again. And then you're in a new town. Okay. Yeah. We're over a bridge. <laughs> okay okay so it's the bridge okay yeah so like anyway the, the tolls in new york and like that whole yes. area that was crazy <laughs> yeah absolutely i want i like to i like to give ourselves a few days off in like the bigger metropolitan areas because like there's all something to do and as i'm always so upset when we go somewhere and we're like oh this city is so cool we have no time to do anything and then we just pull up to the venue and we have to leave right after yeah, there's a lot to do in the city. And, like, if you ever do come to our campus, uh, School of Rock was actually filmed there. So that's always cool. What? Yeah. Like, this, this, like with the... Jack Black. You know, like, you know, you're not hardcore. You yeah. Know, like that. Like, wow, um, that's so cool. Our main classroom building was the exterior for horror screen prep school, so all, like, the outside shots were filmed on our campus. Wow. Wow, that's super cool. Yeah, so it I didn't realize how big the movie was until like I started talking to artists and how like influential it was. And, like Well, especially musicians. Right. Like School of Rock changed my life. Like, like oh my god. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I remember watching that and I was like, Oh wow. You know, like you could be a kid and rock, you know, like immediately the next year I, I was like we had a high school class called Rock and Pop. Mm-hmm. Immediately I grabbed the like, electric guitar, grabbed an amp and I was playing rock and roll covers with like students you know man it was so cool oh it's nice to see that i was i was a student of course but but it's nice to see the impact like the impact it's had on people and when i tell people yeah Yeah. school of rock was filmed at my college everyone's like oh wait (laughs) we actually yeah like i I can get i have an image i have an image of what your college looks like yeah yeah the the big building that's our main hall and that's where we have class (laughs) So, uh, Luke, I want to thank you so much for interviewing with me and taking the time out of your day to talk to me. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Okay. Have a great day. You take care. You too. You Bye. too. Bye-bye. Bye. Again, that was Luke from Calling All Captains. If you really enjoyed today's interview, be sure to check out their music.